0: Welcome, movie lovers, to a very unexpected episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. I am Scott, and joining me, as always,
1: Uh, is Lauren. And, you know, we we expected this episode,
0: Scott. I don't know if our listeners did. It's not that surprising. (laughs) This episode was 12 years in the making. (laughs) Exactly. Um... This episode, we are going to get into The Hobbit. If you hadn't already noticed from iTunes or from the website, uh, we just—I just went and saw it last night. Lauren went and saw it opening weekend, um, and we're going to get into everything. And Lauren was lucky enough to live in Nashville, and so he got to see it in 48 frames a second. So he's going to tell us all about that. Um, but before we get into anything else, uh, I just would really like—I'm really curious about who's listening to this episode. Um, or to this whole podcast because we are on facebook at you know movies you should love we're on a great website love.com we're also on twitter and we we watch the numbers coming in and going out of who's downloading who's visiting our website and so we can see a lot of you <laughs> we know we don't know who you are uh, but what's interesting to us is that uh A lot of you don't seem to talk back to us. And a big part of what we want to do here is talk about movies. And we love talking about movies. And um, we kind of, we decided to record this podcast, um, the whole Movies You Should Love, not just this particular episode, to start conversations. We kind of wanted to be a resource for some people who wanted to understand more about movies. But we also just wanted to engage more people. So if you're out there, if you're listening, you know, please, you know, Comment. Let us know what you think about it. You know, uh, engage us. You know, we really are here to talk to you. We love talking to each other. We like hearing the sounds of our own voices, clearly. But also, we want to know what you think. So, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Come to the website. We post a lot of stuff on the website. Each of these episodes has a whole page uh, filled with extra information uh, and links to some of the things that we discuss. Um, so, please find us at all of those wonderful places. Um, Lauren, you have anything you want to
1: add to my plea? <laughs> no, no, I, I, you are correct. I mean, um, yeah, you, you were saying we, we do watch the numbers, and, um, you know, we've been doing this just over a year now. And uh, in all of that, you know, we took a, a large break this summer due to personal issues and some technical <laughs> issues and stuff. And uh, despite all of that, uh, we've had, oh, I want to say almost 7,000 downloads of our podcast over the course of our first year. Yeah. Um, and so uh, thank you guys for all of that. As, you know, as we're, kind of wrapping up it's just over a year here but as we're wrapping all that up uh, that's you know that's exciting to us that that many people you know are listening to us um mm-hmm. and uh you know we hope I mean, to grow that it's, number it's, next it's, year
0: it's really kind of encouraging and somehow also very humbling to know that that many people have at least list, have uh, decided to put a little bit of stock in our opinion on some of these even if they only listen just once um the fact that they found us and listen to us is is very cool and um, if you guys are still listening, if you are subscribers or if you've just found this one particular episode, again, we, we 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 do this for the love of movies and for the love of talking about movies. So find us and uh let us know what you think about anything that we talk about. If there's something that we said that kind of offended you, if anything that you just disagree on, or things that you go, Yes, that's it. That's exactly what I mean, you know. Let mm-hmm. us know. That's what yeah. we're here for.
1: Yeah. Oh, um we we are film nerds and we want to <laughs> we want to hear all of your opinions and stuff because that's kind of the point of movies to I think to both of us is it's mm-hmm. is that they are it's not it's not, you know, a fact. A movie is not a fact. It's a storytelling device and it, it allows people to form opinions and to form their own ideas and thoughts and to, you know, kind of impact the public conversation about any any topic, any idea, whatever. And, Absolutely. and, and we want to be a part of that public conversation and, and we want to hear your thoughts on it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, movies, you should You can get to all of our Facebook and Twitter and stuff from there, but yeah, we, we'd love Absolutely. to hear from you. We have big plans for the next year, big ideas going mm-hmm. on. And, uh, we just
0: had a small meeting about a pretty cool possible yeah, thing. Yeah. So, um, Dustin North, we're talking about you. <laughs>
1: Anyhow, um,
0: but yeah, we'll get into all that next we'll year. Get all, for, yeah. We'll get on now. The-
1: let's, let's focus on, on what we are here for today. Movies.
0: Yes, movies. Uh, like I said, we went and saw The Hobbit. But before we get into The Hobbit, um, I, this is coming out. We're gonna. I'm gonna put, try to put this out today. If it doesn't come out today, it's gonna come out tomorrow. Um, or for some of you people, this came out yesterday or a week ago. Uh, but uh, since it's coming out so. Sp- so quickly, I want to encourage people, while it's still in theaters, to go check out Rise of the Guardians. It's DreamWorks uh, kind of holiday animated film, and we went and saw it, the whole family, uh, Kelly, London, and I, um, and we all just really loved it. And I would really encourage everybody to go check it out. it um, I think there was some confusion. uh Because when we went and saw it, even (laughs) Kelly was like, is this the owl movie?
1: Yeah, that was my confusion when I first heard (laughs) the title. I'm like, wait, the Guardians Guardians of of the
0: Yeah, this isn't that at all. No. This is about um, Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and Jack Frost and how they all come together to fight. Oh, and the the Sandman all come together to fight um, this kind of nightmare Person. It's very cool. And I mean, for those of you who love mythology, it is a very Zeus versus Hades kind of a story um, in which basically you have the Hades like character basically wanting to quash. Uh, children's belief, and because it, it's a very Neil Gaiman-like story. It reminded me of a lot of American Gods, but in a more child-friendly kind of a way, where you have these guardians, and the, the guardians exist to protect children, but their power is based completely on the children's belief in them. And so you have Santa Claus, the most powerful guardian of all. And then you have Jack Frost, this character people know about. He's in a song, but he's not really powerful and so it's kind of about how jack frost comes to become a more powerful guardian and how certain people because the nightmare character is the boogeyman and how nobody really believes in the boogeyman anymore but he used to be something and he used to be something terrifying and he wants relevance again and so it's really fascinating and it really works in a really fun fun way and it's it's gorgeous a gorgeous computer animation with really uh intricate de- uh, character designs and really well thought out stuff. Um, I think the whole family would enjoy it if it's, you know, I know it's still in theaters here in Chattanooga. Um, if you get a chance to go see it, I would highly recommend it. It's appropriate for the whole family. And it's one of those movies where not only is it appropriate for the whole family, I actually think the whole family will enjoy it. Rise of the Guardians. I really can't recommend it enough. Um, nice. So I just wanted to say that. Uh, I also recently, I haven't mentioned these two other Uh, movies on the podcast, uh, The Life of Pi and Lincoln, because I reviewed them on the website. So please go check out the website, moviesyourself.com, and uh, let me know what you think about Lincoln and The Life of Pi, because I already posted pretty lengthy conversation starters on the website.
1: Nice. Very cool. Uh, So that brings us to uh, The Hobbit. Yes. Unexpected Journey. Chapter 1 of... 17. Yeah. No, (laughs) 3. Thank goodness. It's not 17. Um, no, but of, uh, we wouldn't have
0: been able to, we wouldn't have left Hobbiton. We wouldn't have left the prologue,
1: <laughs> which I like Elijah would, but yeah, it might be too much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Lauren, um, uh, let's get into it. The Hobbit. What did, I mean, uh, what did you think just as a, as a movie experience? Not even, we'll get into the technical aspects of 24 frames versus 48, um, here in a second, but first let's just get into the movie itself. What did you think?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, look, you know, I'm coming at this. I'm a fan of the books. I'm a fan of the the Lord of the Rings trilogy of movies. I, you know, uh, overall, I liked it a lot. Uh, You know, I I, I thought it was a solid, um, solid adventure Mm -hmm. that uh, maybe has flaws here and there, which I think we'll get into. But, um, you know, overall, it was it, it was quite enjoyable, I thought. I think would be kind of my takeaway from it. It's, you know, if you liked the world of Fellowship of the Rings, I think the Fellowship of the Rings movies, or the the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I you know, I think they are probably the better trilogy of the two, um, just based off of this first movie. Now, this could get fantastic in the next two, and I may eat those words, um, but just comparing Fellowship to The Hobbit, Mm -hmm. you know, the first movie to the first movie, I think... The Fellowship of the Ring is a much stronger first outing than The Hobbit Unexpected Journey is. Um yeah. And, you know, I think the next two Lord of the Rings highly improved upon the first chapter. So... Um, You know that said, if you like that world, you're not going to be horribly disappointed in this world. I think it's you know, uh, Pierre Jackson completely recreates with loving detail everything he did in the first movie. You know, down to the brass tacks and stuff. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's beautifully rendered. Um, You know, the acting is solid throughout. You know, it, it, it works very well.
0: I agree. Um, uh, it was really cool. Uh, Kelly and I have seen each of these movies now in the theater, and uh, we were kind of thinking back to 12 years ago, because uh, last, last night was our, at our seventh wedding anniversary, and we went and saw it, and we kind of realized that the first movie came out in 2001, uh, the, the Christmas, basically, of our first uh, year together. And we went and saw that, and it was one of the, it's one of those memories we have of those early days of our of our relationship. And so it was kind of neat to be in the in that big dark room again, and to have that Warner Brothers logo come up and that New Line Cinema and the Wingnut logo come up, and to hear the, that opening strain of music. Kind of went, oh, I know what we're in for. This is kind of exciting, you know. It's like to hear that again. Um, it immediately kind of puts you in a, a mood, and I, I, that's one of my favorite things about movie franchises is, is that is that cue of music right at the very beginning that lets you know you're back. (laughs) You know, welcome back to middle earth. Welcome back to the star Wars galaxy. Welcome back to Superman, Batman. Like to hear that, you just go, Oh, that's right. I love these things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I I was going to say the, the one thing for me that stood out maybe beyond everything about this movie is that Howard Shore who composed and and conducted Mm -hmm. the music for all of these movies Mm -hmm. um, is really the hero Of all of this to me,
0: I love Um, the new dwarves theme. The the Lonely Mountain song and how that comes it comes back over and over again as kind of like the dwarves theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his his
1: score for this movie is fantastic, Uh, Mm -hmm. just flat out fantastic. It it pulls in themes from the old movies so that the instant that the titles come up, you you get sucked right back into the into Tolkien's middle earth. It's
0: it's a slightly more subtle uh, Mm -hmm. Star Wars kind of a thing, because that's one of my favorite things with the Star Wars movies was uh, John Williams introduced these themes, and then as those characters reappeared, or as you saw an item that would harken back to something else, you would hear that cue of music again, and it's the same thing here. You, the Hobbiton theme, the Hobbit's theme comes up, and you hear that, you recognize it immediately. You see the ring, and you remember the ring has a theme, Golem has a theme. Uh, you, when you meet uh, Saruman, all those different people, uh, those little cues of music come back just to kind of remind you and to uh tease what's going to happen next um but overall my my impression of the movie is that i we enjoyed it we really did kind of enjoy it um for me it was a little bit more of a for me it's a hard movie to review because it's not a complete movie i don't feel like mm-hmm. um i feel like it really is act one of three and so it's kind of hard to judge act one of a movie you can talk about that and go well this is what sets up the story um but this feels like even less complete than that. Like, when you look at the Fellowship of the Ring, I really feel like that really is Act 1 of this trilogy. And you can see not only the setup of the overall world and the setup of the story, but you have like this, you know, it, the Fellowship of the Ring ended with the the Fellowship broken. Mm-hmm. You had Sam and Frodo going off by themselves. You had, you know, uh, Boromir just died. And you have these other guys going off by themselves. Wait, and you're like oh no what's going to happen and with this movie it literally ended me, ended with me going why in the world did the eagles fly them halfway there <laughs> I i'll come back Well, no let's talk about the eagles i laughed out loud at the eagles inclusion in this movie and i okay i as a person who's never read the books i have never read these books um i remember everybody kind of laughing about the eagles before it, they kind of became this joke after the lord of the rings because a big eagle saves gandalf from the tower at one point and then later on they fly and pick up Frodo from the from the mountain and there was this really great little cartoon that came out on, online called how it should have ended uh about lord of the rings and how gandalf should have just had the eagles fly them straight to mount doom and drop them up, drop the ring in and then fly back Um, And how the whole story could have been five minutes long. And so to see the eagles show up again and to save them from the cliffside to drop them off at another cliffside and then leave with the mountain in view. I'm like, why could we have an explanation as to why these eagles only fly a third of the way? Unless the story's already done, I don't understand. Well, to
1: to be fair, uh, you know you can't blame that on Peter Jackson. That I, is see, that's the
0: thing. I don't know if that's Tolkien. That that's that ha- is
1: Tolkien. So okay. that happens in in the book. So, okay. Um. I mean, you can blame it on Peter Jackson. He could have changed it. I suppose. Um, no. I mean, but if, then it's, if it's part of the book,
0: that's him. fine. It's just yeah. It's just it's just funny to me to have that story told in that way. To mm-hmm. <laughs> just be like to have something so big and powerful that. Gandalf is clearly friends with, not to be used. Yeah. Makes me wonder about Gandalf's sanity or what his ulterior motives are. If, like he's like, no, I'm here to teach them a lesson and we must walk the whole way. Yeah. I don't know.
1: The um I think this does bring up a, a larger point with this film for me. Um is that it has what, a three hour runtime, roughly?
0: Yeah, I think it's like two hours and forty seven minutes or yeah. something. It's right at three hours.
1: And this is a movie that it includes. It feels like everything plus like an extra yeah. two hundred pages of that yeah. section of the book. This is a movie that doesn't need to be three hours long. I, yeah. I, I didn't hate that it was three hours long. I enjoy the world, and I don't mind kind of basking in it a little bit. Yeah, but at the same time, it's a movie that you could have cut an hour out of, and it would not have inconvenienced the the story at I all.
0: Kind of, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine at work said this, so I have to credit Eric for saying this. But he said, "I kind of wish I had went and seen The Hobbit, not The Hobbit, the, uh, An Unexpected Journey." And having seen it now, I'm kind of in the same place. I kind of wish a a different trilogy. If if we if we were going to do another Tolkien trilogy, I kind of wish a different trilogy had been created. Um, Maybe in which one of the movies was The Hobbit. Maybe the last one was The Hobbit. And that would lead us straight into The Lord of the Rings. And the first two movies could be... Because, again, I have no problem visiting this this world. It's a really cool world. Kelly and I watch the extended trilogy uh, probably once a year. Around Christmas time, we tend to sit down and go through all three movies. Love this universe. But I kind of... Yeah. like th- Watching this movie, I feel like I could cut an hour out of this movie... And we really wouldn't miss anything. But it's hard for me to say that. Again, having not read the book, I don't know um, if uh, Rasputin the Brown comes back in a big way. Uh, Rasputin. What's his name? Uh, Radegast. Radegast. I don't know what, what part he plays in the second and third of this trilogy, but his inclusion right now feels really unnecessary. I feel like he's there because Jackson cut Tom Bombadil out of The Fellowship. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I cut him out of that, so I'm going to put him, this guy in in a big way. Because I'm watching it going, I don't understand this guy with his his bunny rabbit sleigh and his love of animals. I love seeing the Doctor, because he was the seventh Doctor. Love seeing him back on the screen, but I don't know what he has to do with this movie. I also feel like that opening prologue could have been almost...
1: P- yeah, complete. It, 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 I mean... A lot of this movie, to me, feels like fan service. There's tons yeah. there's tons of cameos from people who showed up in in the previous movies. and it's it's just kind of like, uh, Peter Jackson is kind of winking at the camera, going like, "See, see, this is the same world. See, haha, look, hey, hey, here's Frodo. He wasn't in The Hobbit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but he exists in ours because
0: remember the other movie? Hey, <laughs> I, I know this book was written first, so what I'm about to say I, doesn't apply to the book, but it applies to the movie. I feel like the movie suffers from a little prequelitis. It's a little phantom menacey." Um it's not nearly as bad as phantom menace i don't want anybody to <laughs> to think i'm really comparing it to episode 1 but there's a lot in this i feel like as somebody's really only coming as this as a lover of movies and not the books i feel like was included specifically because we're basically making the lord of the rings prequel now um, it, like like the inclusion of frodo like the the opening prologue of the story of how the dwarves lost their kingdom totally appropriate needs to be in there but the extended sequence, basically, that was a prequel to the Fellowship of the Ring movie, where we see Frodo running off to go meet Gandalf. So, like, oh, this is that moment right before he's sitting under the tree. Like, that sequence, to me, felt kind of unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I liked seeing Frodo again. I liked seeing him, seeing him so happy, because I really feel bad for the way, you know, the story ends for Frodo. So, seeing him again was cool, but it was a, an additional nearly 20 minutes, I feel like, that, where you could have began the movie with just Bilbo sitting there and Gandalf showing up. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to judge some of this as a person who hasn't read the books and someone who's so... I don't know what happens in the second or third movie. I don't know if it's important that Saruman and Gladriel are are there in Rivendell. I don't don't know if that's important. I don't know if... The brown wizard is important. I don't know the necromancer or the the white orc that looked like Kratos. I don't know if he's important.
1: <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, what I can tell you is is I you know I think they are, um, I think they are going to. Not only are you going to deal with the dragon. Uh, Mm -hmm. smog but i think that they are also going to bring in the rise or return of um sauron in this i think that's kind of where the necromancer and all that stuff is headed with all of it
0: okay um that said because some of that stuff actually confused me mm -hmm. because for some reason i thought saruman created the orcs
1: he created the Urukai. okay Remember, if if you kind of okay. vaguely recall, the orcs were birthing the urukai yeah. in the previous movie. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because when I saw them, I go, "Wait a minute! I thought they were born out of the goo and Sarmon created them." Okay, you're right. It was the urukai. Okay. I I, I I guess I've never completely been able to differentiate the orc and the urukai.
1: Well, and and the movies don't make it entirely clear. I you know I, again, I would say that's a failing of the movie. Um. I mean all of this is kind of nitpicky at the same time. You know, the flip side is if you're just going in for kind of a fun movie. I mean there's there's lengthy conversations in this, but there's also, you know, big set pieces and stuff and it's 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 a pretty good movie. It's just it feels very much to me at least it felt very much like a middle movie instead of a first movie. Yeah. Uh despite having like an hour too long of an introduction to it basically. <laughs> Um, and I think that's, what's very disconcerting about it is, is that I don't know that the Hobbit, other than being a long book that has lots of detail in it, so you can actually make something out of it and you're going to make people mad if you cut their favorite detail. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know that it actually needs to be three movies. It's a, it's a pretty simple story Mm -hmm. of this, you know, group of, of people who, well, uh, who, who, travel across the country and go to fight a dragon
0: uh, that, and that's that yeah like i left being a little like i said before it was, it was a little bit more eh, i don't want to kind of a, i i did i didn't hate it but i didn't love it either it was just it was just kind of good for me part of my problem i think was the stakes feel really low mm-hmm. and part of it is because it's just just this very simple story setup it feels like but the other part and you could fill me in on this information is I can't help, but feel like this is only going to end badly because as far as I can tell, Gimli is the last dwarf on, in middle earth 60 (laughs) years from now.
1: No, that's, that's no,
0: (laughs) because like none of these guys are in the Lord of the Rings. So either they get their kingdom back and shut themselves up inside their mountain or they all die or they all get burned by smog. So I, I, I'm not really super excited to watch, um, uh, Thorn Oak and Shield die or these are the or a uh, James Nesbitt's dwarf or sexy dwarf with no beard or these other you know, it's like I I I don't know what's gonna happen because these guys don't play any big part in the bigger story, so <laughs> is there is there a dwarf kingdom in Lord of the Rings that doesn't show up in the movies?
1: Yes, there um mainly because um I'm trying to remember how this works now. Um there, there are more dwarves, there, and Gimli is a representative from one group who's sent as their representative to be part of the fellowship. Okay. Um. However, there have been like wars with the goblins and the orcs and stuff, and I don't. Honestly, I don't remember how it all works. It's okay. been Just long enough. Since so I we might have days. a happy
0: ending for these for this particular band. <laughs> yeah. You know. I, no spoilers, but we. No spoilers, it, but. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there, there, there is because like everybody else is pretty well represented in the next trilogy. Like the elves show up in a big way, um, humans mm-hmm. in a big way, um, hobbits clearly, but um, there are no dwarves in the Lord of the Rings except yeah. for Gimli. It's uh, you know what I would say is basically
1: the war takes place in places where either the dwarves have already lost in those particular places or it would like just them- take, it would
0: take them too long to walk there because of their short little legs Yeah, or we're, we're completely different <laughs> parts
1: of the country you know, um, you know I'm not saying that they couldn't have been involved but Tolkien didn't really write it that way oh, no, that, so. okay
0: that's fine <laughs> I'm going into this assuming it's all on purpose and so knowing yeah. it takes place 60 years ago and the only dwarves that we see that aren't Gimli are all dead I can only assume they're all dead <laughs> I was like well this is great yeah um okay question lauren and this Mm -hmm. is this is going back to tolkien because i got this funny feeling in watching the movie during the prologue this funny little question popped up in my head um and then it kind of resurfaced throughout the rest of the movie as the dwarves talked and this is um i know that the lord of the rings was written after tolkien and uh lewis c.s lewis returned returned to england after world war one and a lot of the stuff that's going on here is kind of Tolkien's idealized version of, you know, the band of brothers, us coming together to fight this greater evil. Um, my question is: Has there ever been discussion about the dwarves being a metaphor for the Jewish people? Um, I know, I know, World War One and World War Two aren't the same thing, um, but watching the movie, I couldn't help but feel like. I, when they when they were talking about this great kingdom that was completely destroyed, and then they have these people that are scattered to the world and they don't have a home, and this whole movie is about these people coming together to give them a home again, I kind of it made me think of the Jewish people and Jerusalem, and that might just be me, but I was wondering if that if that's ever been discussed.
1: I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't have been discussed at this point. Um, you know, I mean, this was published. The Hobbit was published in nineteen thirty seven, I think. Oh, okay. So, I mean, this is well before. You know, War II. <laughs> World War Two really um, kind of highlighted a lot of the the, the Jewish issues in the world. Yeah, um, which is not to say they didn't exist prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. I, okay, I mean, this book has been discussed so much. I'm sure someone somewhere has discussed this, and maybe it's a maybe it's a really big theory. I you know, I, I like the books, but I'm not. I don't, okay. I'm not someone who goes out on like message boards and okay. you know I, scholarly I, research to figure out what's going on in the book. Fair enough. Um,
0: I, I could I could speak to like the metaphors in the Chronicles of Narnia a lot better than I could speak to the ones in the Lord of the Rings. Um, that's kind of where I fall in the inklings, but yeah. I so I didn't know if maybe from your reading. that said that said going back
1: and watching this that was also the kind of the uh, the thing I walked away with as well. as so I was telling, man, that's, if nothing else, it very much echoes a lot of this, you know, stuff that's going on with that. So I, you know, I yeah. don't know. It feels very current because of that.
0: Either it, it, way. it does. It, it, it feels very relevant in a, an interesting way. And so, yeah, I was, I guess I was curious if that was Tolkien's intent or if he'd ever spoken to that, or if that was maybe kind of a, something that was infused because of us looking back on it from the 21st century. Um, I don't know, it was, it was a really interesting little moment and I thought it was kind of cool and that was actually probably my favorite moment in the movie was when Bilbo comes back after the goblin thing and was like "I, why am I here? Because I want to go home I, mm-hmm. I miss my books, I miss my garden, I miss my things and you don't and have, you don't have that and so I'm going to fight for that for you I was like, that, okay I like this Bilbo guy hmm. I know he becomes the scariest part of the next trilogy <laughs> <laughs> but I like this I like yeah. this
1: no, I, I I like that he's uh, like the most sarcastic person in in the world now. Uh, out of out of all of this, like I, I really like what Martin Freeman has brought to his character. Yeah,
0: I, I really liked I really liked Bilbo in this. I liked him in a way that I didn't. You know, he kind of made he. I liked him kind of almost the same way I liked Sam and the same way I kind of liked. Um, oh, I've already forgotten their names, uh, Mary and Pippin. Um, really, like you know. I, I like them a lot. Uh, one of the, I think the other thing, uh, this is touching back to maybe why I, I left a little less uh, impressed. I think is I feel like with this this go around, uh, Jackson is really relying on more computer animation than he did previously. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like all all the main bad guy characters were CG this time,
0: especially like I, I couldn't like I was because you had mentioned that before, and so I was watching it kind of looking specifically at the orcs i feel like there were some orcs that were still traditional men mm-hmm. in makeup and there, then but like all the big villains um the the trolls the goblin king um the white orc mm-hmm. um, were all computer generated and while they looked fantastic um i didn't believe them not in the same way that i believed in that awful, huge orokai that kills Boromir.
1: Mm -hmm. Like
0: when he was in fellowship of the ring, I feared for everybody's life. He was this huge monstrosity of a, of a creature of a man who was on screen.
1: Well, and like, and like the ring wraiths, you know, are just these creepy guys in black with no faces on horses. I mean, that was, I mean, that is the creepiest, but villains ever, you know, they're real. And
0: terrifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't have my, my concern, my, I didn't have, my fear didn't match any of those characters in this movie. Um, And so I I don't know. I mean, I could understand why when you look at the goblin King, um, I can understand why you would want him to be CG, but at the same time, it did pull me out of, I mean, it didn't pull me out of the movie, but at the same time, it, I wasn't as invested. I don't think I didn't fear for the characters as much because there were times it kind of looked like a video game.
1: Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. is like in the last movie, there were also, or in, in the Fellowship, there were lots of goblin characters, and most of them were
0: people in suits, and they looked great. They looked great, and so I don't understand why to make this change. And maybe after the podcast is over, you and I can talk about the the design of the Goblin King, because there was a very disturbing part of his body that I don't want to talk about on the podcast, because this is a family-friendly podcast. We'll talk about it later, but I think it, it, I cannot be alone in my my trauma.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, uh, just uh, I, I'm. I think it was actually probably intended as like a cancerous growth or like one of those things, but it definitely looked like inappropriate anatomy parts yes. on his face. Okay. Yes.
0: I'm not alone. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I went. What are we looking at? Okay, that's I know. Hmm, it just it was very strange to me. I I was like, "Why does he have a skin beard?" I don't understand. Yeah, it was very (laughs) weird. Um, Um. but yeah, like between them and like the trolls, I can a lot of these things I can understand. Like, well, like the trolls, let's make those guys CG. Mm -hmm. But my my intimidation as a as an audience member kind of actually to mention the trolls, it kind of matched how intimidated I was or wasn't by the mountain troll in the fellowship when he showed up. It was kind of scary, because he was big, and, you know, they were trapped in a corner. But at the same time, it, it felt like more of a this little small ba- boss battle. Yeah, well,
1: and I think what also helped with that is you also had all of these little goblins and stuff running around mm-hmm. at the same time, who were real. Who
0: were com- actually completely there, that characters were completely interacting with. I felt like, the, I felt like between that and... I feel like there more times in this film than in Fellowship. I felt like the sets were smaller.
1: Yeah. Here's,
0: well, I mean, this, this or, is more starting, on, on a set.
1: Yeah. This is starting to pull me into the, the 48 frame, you know, the, the can, HFR 3D. We can, we can so. go there
0: from at this point, if you'd like to,
1: because I, I think all of this ties in to that for me. Um, cause, cause I did, I went and saw the, the 48 frame, uh, you know, the, the HFR 3D version. Um, and here's here's what happened for me with it. um the first thirty minutes of the movie were really rough to watch okay.
0: because
1: it did not look even remotely right um you know uh things like uh right at the very beginning there's like stuff where like um you have like close ups of Bilbo's handwriting, yeah. where he like picks something up really quick in a In a shot or whatever. Yeah. And the action on those looked ridiculous, Uh, especially like those kinds of shots looked just ridiculous. And they looked fast and, and the cutting and editing of them almost like slapped you in the face because it was so weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that was entirely because it was in the 48 frame. I'm sure in a 24 frame cut, it works perfectly.
0: Yeah, like I, like Kelly and I saw it in two D in twenty four at the the twenty four frames edit, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, and it nothing as far as the editing goes, the way they shot it, it felt exactly like watching Fellowship of the Ring, you know, or Two Towers. It it felt like a good movie, you yeah. know. There wasn't anything that stood out. I was like, well, that was. No weird thing.
1: Yeah. So once you started getting used to this motion stuff, like, I never got completely used to it, but there were times in the movie where you stopped noticing it, and then, like, it kind of pulls you back into it eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually for me, it happened when. like, like, the times it worked best was in the huge, epic, sweeping shots of New Zealand with, like, Those, little hobbits and dwarves and
0: stuff. The, right around. the it looked dwarf great. kingdom or the goblin kingdom, I'm sure, looked pretty fantastic. Well,
1: here's here's what's interesting. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So, like, the real shots, like the big, sweeping panoramas of mountains and things mm-hmm. and stuff, looked great. Until you did something like put a little waterfall right at the very front of the screen, mm-hmm. which was moving at twice the speed that I'm used to seeing it move. Hmm. Um, because it looks wrong in with everything else. And so something like that would horribly pull me out of the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the first thing I noticed. The second thing is that anytime we got into the CG world of things. So like this happened very early on. Um, there's the dragon attack. There's, um, um, the uh, the worst part of that is there's a sequence where um, Thorn runs out onto like a balcony yeah. and pulls the king down, kind of, and all that. Literally looked like we were watching the worst sta- like high school stage production because of wow. the motion in it. Um, the motion combined with the 3D compositing combined with the actual sets none of the pieces meshed together um, oh. that was probably out of the whole movie that was probably the worst sequence for me um, but every big CG action sequence like that that combined real elements mm-hmm. with CG elements mm-hmm. it, it was it was almost like you took v- uh, you know film of a character mm-hmm. and put it into Like, this is just for an explanation, because it didn't it didn't specifically look like a video game. But I know, uh, because a lot of people are talking about and that's not what I mean by this. But what I do mean to say is like, let's say you had a video game world that you were playing in. Okay. And instead of making your main character also part of that video game world you instead took a picture of me or you or something and put that in as my character. And so like the hand holding the gun or whatever in the shooter <laughs> is like a picture of my hand yeah, or, you know, or video of my it hand. Just wouldn't it just doesn't, it, they don't composite together into one thing. And that's how all of the major action sequences felt to me. Oh, that's too bad. In, in the high frame rate 3d. Um,
0: because yeah, I, I, for us, a lot of it worked. There were, there were times obviously, and some of this, I don't know if is, is a fault to the animators or just a fault to us being able to look at something and acknowledge that can't be real. that must be computer generated, but it, most of it all worked. And there was a lot of motion blur <laughs> at 24 frames a second. There was a lot of motion blur um, that I hadn't really noticed before, but now that there's this big new conversation taking place, I couldn't help but notice, you know, Oh, and so I wonder, you know, obviously that is something that's helping these things mesh together here's
1: here's the thing that i am going to say though like this has all been negative up till now yeah here's here's my positive about this is that the 48 frame thing does fix probably 75 to 80 percent of what is wrong with 3d movies now um it 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 was a much better 3d experience um and so when when the movie was working in conjunction with the forty-eight frames with the three D, mm-hmm. it was spectacular. Like when all of those elements finally Came meshed in, a, in the moments yeah. where they mesh, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so, the, I think the the trick for me here with this, I don't think forty-eight frames is something that ever needs to happen in a two D movie. Okay. Um, I was reading um, reading an article about. Uh, that somebody was was talking about this and it's it's kind of the difference between reality and an impressionist painting
0: is this the science explains yes yeah on i the verge we'll yes. put it, i put yes. it i put it on the on the the links yeah,
1: it's, it's the second link here the on the verge.com okay um, how we accidentally invented impressionist filmmaking
0: i'll make sure that goes onto our page
1: this is a great article that explains a lot of my issues with with the whole thing, but also why it's not a bad thing. Like, both things at the same time are in it. But, um, at the end of the day, it really does work for 3D, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the trick is, is that when you're making a 3D movie at 48 frames a second, it's a completely different movie than you're making at 24 frames a second in 2D. Right. Um, which means everything in the movie needs to change. The way you shoot it, the way you edit it, um, the way the actors work because um uh, you know, that's part of the problem is that when um, when the motion changes, things like comedic timing change, things like um, the way an action scene plays out change. And so actors need to be aware of this different frame rate so that they can, You know, if it's a close-up shot, they can move their hand differently so it's not as jarring. Um, When the editor gets that close-up shot, he can edit it in differently so that the jump cut between that and the wide shot is not as jarring. And maybe he adds a little extra time to allow you to adjust to it or so that the motion doesn't Mm. hit you quite as much. There's a whole level of conversation and filmmaking tropes that need to change if you're going to be making a 48 frame a second 3d movie Mm -hmm. um and so i'm not against this technology going forward i think it does help make the 3d better what it doesn't do is it doesn't make the movie better unless unless you know every single thing you are doing Mm -hmm. to to make this work um and I think that that's impossible for someone like Peter Jackson to know at this point, because he's kind the of first. <laughs> pioneering this. Yeah. So it is a technology that can get better, I think. Mm-hmm. That said, I don't know that there is... I don't know where the demand versus benefit is. Is there a huge demand for making our 3D movies that much better? For me, I don't care enough about 3D. Like, I... I'm willing to go see the other two Hobbit movies, maybe in in this mm-hmm. at the same time. Now that I've experienced it, I have no issue going and seeing them in 2D as well. Right. I don't, I don't know that I care enough to pay, you know, the the eight extra dollars to go see a 3D version. Right. It it looked nice, and that, that, that's, that's but it the- didn't change the story to me, and in some ways, it pulled me out of the story at times. And that's
0: the interesting thing is that people already have a. A love-hate relationship with 3D. You have a lot of people that aren't really interested in 3D anymore, and so our our movie, our theaters, going to you know, there's only a handful of theaters right now that can handle 48 frames. There's only a handful of theaters that are showing The Hobbit the way you're able to see it. So, is there really a demand for this? Is this something that's mm-hmm. really go- is it worth everybody's investment and in time to make this a reality? It's
1: uh, you know, my anecdotal evidence. Uh, you know, I don't. Uh, We've seen the numbers from the weekend and stuff you know it's it it wasn't the blockbuster that fellowship was i mean it, it did fine worldwide but it, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't
0: i don't yeah crazy I don't, I don't think this is gonna have the the staying power
1: um that but the it, last three did but but in the theater that I went to um you know this was opening weekend um there was a two d showing. I mean, this is Nashville and the only theater that's doing, and it's, it's at, um, for those of you who know Nashville, uh, this is at the Opry Mills Mall, which is, uh, Scott, you, you came up the weekend Mm -hmm. before and you tried to get there Yeah, more traffic than that, trying to get there the day that we went. So imagine how many people are there in this place where they can go see this movie. The showing before ours was a standard 2d version Mm -hmm. of the movie and it was a sold out show. Um, yeah. We went and this is this is Madine time, uh so the ten the ten thirty, ten forty five, whatever it was, Madine show of the two D mm-hmm. Hobbit completely sold out um full. The eleven thirty forty eight frame HFR three D mm-hmm. version had I don't know, forty people in it. Oh wow. Maybe maybe fifty, forty or fifty people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't even a quarter of the way full, I wouldn't say. Wow. Um, and this is in a theater that I guarantee can handle.
0: Yeah. This. So. Yeah, we uh, we just went on a on a Tuesday night, and our our theater. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't sold out, but it was it was a pretty full room for, and it kind of surprised me for a Tuesday five forty five showing of a movie.
1: Yeah. Um. So th- this is this is my worry with it. Is that I think the technology has many uses. Like I know that Peter Jackson was inspired by like theme park rides. Mm-hmm. I think Star and, Tours specifically. Yeah, and and I think it is going to be amazing for that because you've already completely changed the expectation of the viewer for, for something like that. You've already changed. Um, you're not making a movie. You're making an experience, which means you you have you can break the rules uh, completely of what you're shooting, the way you frame everything, because you're you're fitting it into a different experienced in a theater. And so I think something like this is brilliant for something like that. What I don't know, I think the 48 frame thing is really good for 3d at the movies. Mm-hmm. What I don't know that's worth it is completely changing the way you make a movie mm-hmm. framing shots, uh, lighting and acting and everything I don't know if making it for 48 frames the way it needs to be made to actually work fully correctly is going to work at 24 which means Mm -hmm. I think filmmakers are going to have to choose between 24 and 48 and I don't think 48 outside of 3D is going to play very well so that's my conundrum fair enough um I don't think it's the 48-frame fault that there's stuff that pulled me out of this movie and that didn't work. I think it's the fault of not creating all of the elements correctly for 48 frames.
0: And that, that was always, to me, my concern going in when I first started hearing about some of this and how different it was actually going to be, or how different the te- uh, the, how different you'd have to approach this, is like, do you really want to make The Hobbit? The movie where you do that grand experiment because it seems like this is a, a movie that would benefit from someone else experimenting but at the same time if Peter Jackson didn't do it who would mm-hmm. you know yeah. it almost um, seems like something that you, he, he maybe should have done on a movie like uh, The Lovely Bones or something like that that I know had some I haven't seen it but I understand there's some pretty trippy um, special effects at different points in that movie it seems like that might be the place where you you experiment with it figure it out see what doesn't work and then apply it to this huge franchise i don't yeah. know
1: yeah uh, it just the the way the way it plays now i know i mentioned this kind of concept in a podcast that probably hasn't actually been released yet but it was the last one we recorded um of kind of how i'm at a place with with cg in movies where it's already kind of hit this what, what i'm calling an uncanny valley mm-hmm. which is referring to the concept of like when you make stuff that's real but not quite real enough to convince you it's real especially mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. in in cg i the 48 frame thing takes that to a whole new level interesting um and so it puts it puts the filmmakers into a very strange place in that the stuff that actually works better in this movie is the is the real stuff mm-hmm. because uh, again, I know a lot of people have com- compared like the big action sequences to video games and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing different about these action sequences than anything you would see in any other movie. But because of the way it's shot and the way that the CG works and the way that basically 48 frames is giving you twice the information, which means you are able to notice everything that doesn't work right. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that doesn't ring true to you. That- um... And so, and so, when elements don't mesh, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a major problem, and is going to be a huge challenge for the effects world to bridge mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, I think it already exists to an extent in the two D world. It's taken to a whole new level in in three D forty eight. So interesting. Uh, there's there's major issues with the format. Yeah. Not insurmountable, but major issues headed forward, I would say.
0: Okay. I think, you know, um, this is slightly changing the topic from that, but that that concept of some of the battle scenes feeling like video games, um, I felt like specifically in the sequence where they're fighting through the goblin kingdom, Mm -hmm. that was the, the, if you want to use the word egregious, the most egregious uh, form of that. Because to me, this movie... And I'm using the goblin fight as, as an example. This movie, to me, also kind of struggled to find its tone more mm-hmm. than the previous movies did, because at one point, on one hand, it's extremely violent. Mm-hmm. Decapitations, um, Stabbing. eviscerations, mm-hmm. stabbings, all sorts of things. On the other hand, you have uh, it wasn't quite this bad, but nearly bowling pin sound effects <laughs> as, the, as goblins are being swept off the the catwalks Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it was it almost got a little slapsticky at points where you're like this is this is okay i mean it wasn't bad but it it it, for me it did kind of there was a dissonance
1: yeah for for me here's the biggest issue with the it's it's actually to me it's a characterization issue because i think it goes back to the the original meeting in in hobbiton with all of the dwarves. Mm-hmm. Having having a, a dissonance with the action sequences because here's what happens: you have these huge action sequences where these, you know, possibly 200 dwarves. We we don't ever actually quite figure out. There's what 13 of them. I think there's 12
0: it's dwarves th- and the king. So yeah, 13.
1: 13, yeah, 13 or 200. Yeah. It's hard to say because you never quite figure out who they all are. Yeah. But um,
0: yeah, that was another issue I had. Yeah.
1: But th- that's I I thought they dealt with that. Issue as about as well as you could in this movie without creating huge confusion. Which one am i we talking about? The the amount of dwarves.
0: My, my only my only complaint about it was I felt like in Fellowship, thirty minutes in I knew everybody. Yeah. And this movie I spent three hours and Maybe I can still o- don't know I can what? only name Thorin, Thorin. Yeah. And Olin, Olin Mills, Bolin, Grumpy Doc, and Sneezy. You yeah. know, it's just kind of like I. Even their faces were a little too. I'm like, who's this guy with the pointy the pointy yeah. hair? Like, I don't know what he ever does in this movie.
1: Yeah, but anyhow, going back to the yeah. to the dissonance between the action sequences and the characterization of of these um, dwarves. Yeah. Um, it, basically, by the time you get to the goblins, they're 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 all action heroes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and in the Hobbit house in the Hobbit hole, it very clearly there is a moment where. Thorin is like, these guys are people from all walks of life who have no experience, but you know what they have? They have heart. I will take that any day over experienced warriors. Right. And so our initial setup is that these guys are going to be awful in a battle. Yeah. Like these guys are going to have no clue what to do when they fight. But but they've got heart. (laughs) Yeah. But they all clearly do. They're all fantastic at decapitating goblins. And uh even even the fat one he's good at like rolling them over or whatever so you yeah. know it's it's all
0: good and we don't actually all ever have to worry about it you apply their non tendencies to violent tendencies and it works out yeah. splendidly for everybody <laughs> so so to me it's i
1: to me this movie felt like a hollow echo of fellowship in some ways it mm-hmm. seemed like every beat in it happened in fellowship yeah, and that it was, was kind a good of thing too. Yeah, it was kind of like okay, we start in in with a little prologue that sets up the story and big bad evil,
0: and then yep. and then we have Gandalf Madden meeting in, at the Shire, and there's the Gandalf in the Shire the forming of the Fellowship, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> and then um, they walk for three hours and they arrive at Rivendale. and, and then, there's <laughs> and there's an orc
1: slash urukai that hunts them. Yeah, and then they get chased through a mine, and yep. then you <laughs> know, like it's it's beat for beat, it's the same movie, and. And I know part of that you have to blame on Tolkien, because he, he kind of wrote the same story in some ways. Yeah. Twice. But, this is also the, my biggest problem with the movie, is that you didn't have to remake Fellowship. You could have done a three and a half hour version of The Hobbit. Yeah. And told the whole story, I think.
0: That it was, would have cut it would have cut a lot of stuff. That was Kelly's that. review and we weren't even out of the theater and she goes, "Why couldn't he have made a single 5-hour movie with an intermission? That would have been awesome, <laughs> you know." Mm-hmm. And even that might have been a little long, but it, yeah, it uh, I don't I don't know why this is going to be as long as the the, the Lord of the Rings. Like does this this starting to be have a 9-hour treatment as yeah. well? I don't know. Final thought for me is this: This is my summation. There was a moment that took place in the movie that kind of captured my whole feeling about this movie. Um, oh, we haven't even talked about Gollum yet. He was awesome. Okay, so now here's yeah. the the final part. <laughs> uh, he, he was, he was, but it wasn't anything that we haven't already seen. No, it, it's true. At the same time, despite it's, that, stole it's the, the best show. part of the movie. Still stole the show. And uh, here's, let's talk about Gollum just for a second because I did have a question. Do you think he's going to show up in the next two movies? Because my understanding is that's his entire part in the book is what just happened.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm trying I'm trying to remember. It's been long enough since I've read it. Um, I, Cause from,
0: as, as an outsider, my understanding is this is the part he plays in the yeah. Hobbit story. At the same time, I can totally understand the draw of wanting to put the most iconic character from the last trilogy into the new trilogy in every single movie i
1: i don't remember him having a part in the book uh, and i could be completely wrong and if somebody knows better please let me know on the website but um i don't remember him doing anything else um because his kind of thing was that he had to track down the ring yeah and you know finally found it with frodo
0: Because I I did love that scene, like him and Bilbo. That was just it was it was phenomenal. I mean, it wasn't any like you said; it wasn't anything really we hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. At the same time, that characterization that Andy Serkis pulls off, coupled with all those amazing computers, really gives us a phenomenal character. In
1: in my mind, the only way they can really do it is if they show his quest for the ring, Mm -hmm. Um, and if they do bring. Sauron back to the world in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I
0: kind of hope they don't.
1: With yeah, Sauron, but, I mean specifically. Yeah, but if if they do that, you might get something like in the final movie, you know, because he trekked he, he all the way into Mordor before, mm-hmm. met Sauron remember like he was captured they oh, tortured yeah. him like i could see them maybe bringing some of that back in if they but at the same time it seems really strange to do some of that
0: well to and me so to me it would it would really be like showing the birth of luke and leia in episode three where it, it you could show it because it's a moment people kind of want to see but it destroys that awesome reveal in return of the jedi and so yeah. to me Showing that scene would ruin that realization Gandalf has that Sauron, no, Saruman is actually the big bad guy. You know, it's like, because he he doesn't know that in Fellowship until he goes, and then they have the big wizard showdown. Mm-hmm. So, to show that his friend has become the bad guy.
1: No, no, Sauron, not Saruman. It's, I, they're going to bring Sauron back, who's, who's sorry, kind of disappeared.
0: I'm the, sorry, I I'm, meant I'm Saruman, the white wizard. Like, yes. to, to show him going bad in in this trilogy, right. I feel like. Well,
1: I don't, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to bring sorry, Sauron br- back.
0: Sorry, you Sauron back. Okay, yes. sorry. Yes. Gotcha.
1: I know, it's confusing. They have the same name.
0: They basically do, but I don't know how he could come back, because he was only ever a big fiery eye. Was Did he ever have a different form, other than what we saw in the prologue? prologue? Uh, well, I
1: think I think the necromancer is going to explain all of that, without giving any spoilers. Cool. I think that's okay.
0: going to be... Um, okay, so my final thought what this is this this moment at the end of the film really kind of encapsulates my whole feeling of the movie. Um Bilbo it has the ring on and he's just come out of this really amazing sequence where he escapes Gollum and it's so cool. It is so just like it's a really powerful scene. I felt mm-hmm. like like seeing how Bilbo handles um Gollum and how it sets up how Gollum behaves with Frodo and seeing how he doesn't kill Gollum and how that, you know, has this really strong portends to the rest of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Loved everything about that sequence. He gets out there and you have Thorin Oakenshield complaining about Bilbo, how he's run off on us, and I hate that guy, and blah, 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 blah. And then Bilbo goes, Nope, still here. He takes the ring off, he reappears, and everybody is immediately impressed because he has this really moving kind of explanation like, I'm going to help you guys because you don't have a home. And I felt so great, and I thought that was the end of the movie. hmm And then there was like this 15-minute action sequence, um, which involves the white orc uh, fighting the dwarves. The eagles come in, take them away. They get on the mountain, and on the mountain, Thorn, Orc, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is like, Oh, Bilbo, I hate you. You're such a guy. Blah, 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 blah. Actually, nah, I was just kidding. I love you. And they hug, and they end. And I was like, you had that same moment 15 minutes ago. hmm like the character, there's no there's been no character growth in this last 15 minutes other than we saw Bilbo the action. Mm-hmm. We yeah. saw him well, actually say, I'm promising to fight for you. Here's me fighting for you. Mm-hmm. you-
1: and, like, I could even understand if they wanted to wrap up the uh the white orc as a character as kind of like here was the bad guy of the movie and now we've wrapped him but they don't actually even wrap up his story exactly that's exactly
0: what i was about to say if they wanted to say well we needed a bad guy in this movie you know remember darth maul we needed a bad guy in episode one let's get him out of the way so we can introduce this new threat but that doesn't even happen they have a fight and the white orc rides off to Mm -hmm. fight another day so literally nothing is accomplished in the last 15 minutes of the film
1: Oh, the- you couldn't have accomplished and it's you say 15 minutes maybe it then. felt it felt like 30 minutes to me
0: <laughs> But okay, I, I, I might be generous I was, i'm just i i don't want to sound like i'm overly complaining but there's like this really big action sequence which yeah. is one part kind of silly and one part very cool like the, the, the moment where thorne stands up in this tree and walking through the fire is awesome yeah but it's like That was my feeling through uh, that. That kind of summarizes my feeling of the movie. You have these really amazing moments that you go, "This is why I came back to Middle Earth," Mm -hmm. coupled with these moments that don't need to be in the film. Like to me, even Kelly, after Bilbo had his first little speech, um, Kelly goes, "And that's the end of part one." And we totally expected to fade to Mm -hmm. black, cue the ring theme, here we go. Instead, we had (laughs) we had this we had action sequence and then bilbo gets a second moment for a second little speech and then we cut to black so to me it's like it's a good movie if you like the lord of the rings you're going to enjoy it but i do think it's going to leave a little bit of a a hollow taste in your mouth afterwards where you go there's there's a lot of fluff there i think (laughs) Uh, yeah
1: i you know i like i I think i would say that the fellowship you know the 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 lord of the rings that trilogy is a classic trilogy it it was an instant classic when it came out
0: fellowship is on the afi top 100
1: fellowship is yeah we will be covering it here on our podcast at some point um because of that uh this is a decent movie that has flaws um and which doesn't mean you shouldn't watch it because i you know, we spent an hour picking it apart now, yeah. but at the same time, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, and I will go see the other two movies quite happily, and uh, you know, look forward to having a fun Christmas entertainment for the next couple of years here. Absolutely. Um, Are
0: they coming out every Christmas?
1: I, I don't know. I'm assuming okay. that's because that's what it happened. Fellowship did, yeah, with Fellowship, but um, you know, at the same time. I definitely don't have the anticipation and, um, yeah, you know th- that I did with the previous set of movies because it's just this movie has not set the bar at the same place and I I don't know that this book ever could have it's it's yeah. definitely the lighter thinner volume of the set mm-hmm. and uh, and I think you really feel that mm-hmm. splitting it up into three movies like this
0: I was, yeah I was a little surprised when they announced they're doing it into two movies I was floored when they said they're doing it into three Mm -hmm. i i I don't see it yet (laughs) i'm excited about the next part i want to see more about the necromancer because he was creepy in his one shot and um curious about smog yeah good minute cumberbatch as the necromancer and as smog so this can't be bad (laughs) yep (laughs) um so that's i i think that's it for us unless lauren you have anything else you want to you want to say and wrap up no
1: i mean i'm I'm willing to uh, keep talking about this, yeah. this hFR 3D stuff if if people want to know more about it um, absolutely
0: I'm, I am a little jealous I, I, would, I wish I yeah. could have seen it, it uh,
1: honestly, I will say if you can see it, go do it. I know there's people who just love it mm-hmm. and so um, either way, it's an experience you know uh, I went and saw it with my wife. Um, and, uh, she had no issue with it. And she said it was the best 3d experience she's ever had. Good. So, you know, I was kind of coming at it from a more, um, uh, we had a little argument about how I phrased this before. So I have to be really careful here. Um, but I was coming at it looking for very specific things out of the, out of the technical side of the movie. Whereas I don't think she was looking for those same things. And so well played. Yes. <laughs> I think I walked a fine line there. Um, anyhow, so, you know, I think if, I think if you're really just going in to watch the movie without really caring about all of the technical mumbo jumbo, it may work a lot better for you. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, uh, you know, I, this is, this is what I do. This is my, you know, uh, I work in this, I work in editing, you know, so. And that's, that's why I I I see the frame rates. I see every, every little piece of it. And you um,
0: see the decisions made behind everything. Yeah and so yeah uh no and that's honestly that's why i want I, that's why i would st- if I, I had the opportunity to see it in 48 i would i would go watch it again just to see it because it is possibly the future or at least it's something that may be here to stay it might go away in yeah. three movies <laughs> yeah
1: you know this might be you know and, and that's the thing possibly by next year or whenever the next one is coming out. Uh, there might be more theaters online. Go see it in in a forty eight. Make your own opinion as you can. Absolutely. Um, and if and if you have seen it, let us know what you think about it. Because absolutely, uh, I don't think my voice is the only one on here. And I've uh, I I feel like I'm coming at this maybe from a more level playing field or a more level view of of the answer to it. I think it has issues in this movie, but it's not a bad technology. Overall, if issues can be solved. Whereas, I don't know, uh, the stuff I've read online doesn't seem nearly that balanced. It's either people who just hate it or love it. and
0: well, it's, Anyway, I'd, I'd like to hear you're, what, it's what just, you It's just you're so you rational know. and that there's no there's no place for rational on the <laughs> <Hard>. internet. <laughs> that but, doesn't um, sell anything.
1: Yeah, but you know, if you have a passion one way or the other about it, or if, or if you think I've missed something or, or whatever, I'd love to hear what you have to say. So um, if you've been able to see it in 48, let me know.
0: You know where to find us, guys. MoviesYouShouldLove.com at MoviesYouShould on Twitter or on Facebook. uh, MoviesYouShouldLove. So uh, find us. Yell at us. Talk to us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we will see you next time on uh, our next regularly scheduled episode. Absolutely.
0: You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at MoviesYouShouldLove.com. yeah and having seen do we need to pause it sounds like you have a mailman